Testing, testing. Can you hear me now? All right, that works better. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Come on, a little, a little louder. I'm, I'm getting sleepy, so I need y'all to wake me up. Good morning, everybody. There we go. Thank you. As, as Pastor Tim said, my name is Daryl Washington. I'm the executive director of Open Arms Ministry. This is my buddy, my partner in crime here, uh, Nikki Henderson, who is our program coordinator. Um, so we just wanted to take time today. Today is the month of November is uh, Homelessness Awareness Month. So as we're coming to the end of this month, we wanted to just take some time, talk to you a little bit about what we're doing. Uh, like Pastor Tim said, it is a different format. So we are taking up the space and time of the preaching moment. Um, so while there won't be a preaching moment, it will be rooted in scripture. Our work is all rooted in scripture, what we do. We are faith-based 501c3 um, nonprofit founded right out of this building, which was a combination of um, work that was already occurring with New Community Covenant Church through the Warming Center and some other work they were doing, as well as um, the food pantry that operated in St. Luke's who owned this building prior to uh, New Community. And they were doing that food pantry for over 40 years. And they continue to support that work that we do now today. Um, our focus is poverty in general, but we have a specific emphasis on hunger and homelessness. Um, and the way we do that, it has shifted over the years, and we'll talk about history a little bit because we have some folks coming up to, to, to we can get into a great discussion about it. But the way we, that, that happens now is that uh, we have a food pantry that operates every Wednesday here from 4 to 6 p.m., uh, as well as a drop-in that operates uh, singly now on Wednesdays and begins at 10 a.m. And during this time, folks can come in. Uh, if it's cold, get out of the cold, get a warm meal, clothes, toiletries. For many, we are their address, so their mail, uh, connection to other resources, uh, and then of course the pantry as well. Uh, another thing that's really great about it is that in addition to them coming in to receive services, and these are who we call our brothers and sisters, we don't call them clients, we don't call them guests, we don't, because we're all one family. Right? It's one body of Christ. We're all one family. Consequently, we're all brothers and sisters. And so our brothers and sisters come in, and because we're family, you're not here to just sit down and eat a meal. Or you're not just here to grab a bag. You're here to roll up your sleeves and also serve as well. So we all serve each other. Um, and we're very adamant about that, but really wanting to make sure that the work that we do um, is, 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 is it's, it's meaningful. And it is something that we could really use your support and your help with in many, many ways. And we'll talk about that some more. I do say this to everybody from the beginning. Um, there are many issues that God wants us to be his hands and feet on, on this planet, right? It's not just hunger and homelessness. If, if God ain't calling you to hunger and homelessness, go to where God is calling you, right? Go be the hands and feet of Jesus in those spaces. But for those of you who do feel a nudge, a whisper, a tug to focus on these issues, then by all means, come see me. Nikki's in the building. I'm just like many folks in ministry. I'm a bivocational executive director, so I'm not in the building during the day. But Nikki is in the building uh, during the day for pantry um, and drop in along with Lynn, who's here on Wednesdays as well. Um, I said I was going to give a brief introduction, but we do have a video that talks a little bit about some of the work that we've done, and then we'll get into a brief discussion after. I do have one caveat, one disclaimer about this video. We shot this in the middle of COVID, okay? If y'all remember, barbershops weren't open in COVID, <laughs> right? 
So I'm about a hot eight months in when I've seen my barber. So I want you all to keep that in mind as you all are watching this video. And then once the video ends, then we'll all get into our discussion. hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Hi, my name is Daryl Washington. I am the executive director with Open Arms Ministry. This pandemic has taken its toll on Open Arms and more specifically on the people that we serve. Because of COVID-19, we've had to shift the ways in which we offer uh, services to our brothers and sisters. We are now offering meals and toiletries and um, other resources at the door for the gentlemen and men and women to receive. It's also created an opportunity uh, for us to expand and, and rethink the ways in which we offer services. Now we have spread out Saturdays, where because people can't come in the building, we felt it appropriate for us to go out of the building and go to the people. Um, there are over 80,000 homeless people in the city of Chicago, um, and we want to be of service to as many of them as we can. This takes us back to the roots of pre-open arms when it was the warming center as a ministry of New Community Covenant Church, where on Friday evenings they would go out with care kits, and I believe they called them love kits at the time. And so now we've we've adopted that same model. Um, so we, we gather on the third Saturday of every month. We package these kits. Um, they, they have toiletries, they have PPE, they have some snacks. And, uh, and then they're distributed out into the community. You know, they're distributed in Logan Square, they're distributed on the south side, they're distributed on the west side. Wherever the need is and wherever we have partners who are willing and able to help us uh, get those resources out into the neighborhood is where they go. My name is Wendy Daniels and I am the bookkeeper for Open Arms. Yes, well, I'm going to be taking care packages basically down to the Pacific Garden Mission and the care packages contain toiletries and a few snacks but things like toothpaste, hand sanitizer, masks, gloves, um, just little care packages to hand out to people. We just try to do what we can in order to alleviate some of that um, suffering and pain. It is a ministry that does whatever it can to help those that are less fortunate right here in the basement of New Community Church. Why does it matter to the church body to do this work? Uh, simple answer is what Jesus told us to do. It, you know, it, it doesn't get any simpler than that. You know, we're followers of Christ. Christ says do this, so let's do it. Okay, my name is Frederick Brown. I am an Open Arms board member, and today I am actually preparing the meals that we're going to send out. We're going to send out hot meals today for um, our population, brothers and sisters that are out there. So, you know, for me, it, it, it's tremendous because we take it for granted. 
and you know, and to be honest with you, just being able to give back in some sort of way and do some things like that, especially when you think about the seasons, the Thanksgiving and Christmas coming up, to be able to at least, you know, you can't fix the world's problems, but you can at least give them a hot meal. There's a, there's a piece of your soul and spirit that just can't be fed until you truly give of yourself honestly and openly without any expected returns. And that's what I call the juju. So not only are you spreading it, you're receiving it as well. Right now, I would say the biggest thing I would ask people to pray for, it wouldn't necessarily be for Open Arms, the organization, but for the brothers and sisters who receive services of Open Arms. Um, we're still in the middle of this pandemic. It is a tough time. Chicago gets cold in the winter, um, and there are there's that need for comfort, for warmth, for shelter, uh, for people, for the access to resources. They don't have the same privilege to just stay at home. You know, their home is the streets in many ways, and um, just how this pandemic has hit all of us in a way, that, uh, in an economic way, it it impacts them worse. And and so being a vehicle for providing some of those basic needs right now in this season is critical. Um, it's not all we want to be, it's not all we want to be able to provide, but right now we have to be able to make sure that these basic needs are met before we can talk about anything else. This year, Giving Tuesday falls on December 1st, and you can support Open Arms Ministry by making a financial donation at openarmsministry.org or also volunteering um, at openarmsministry.org. We would love to have you join us in service. Thank you. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I, I told y'all that hair was bad. I, Nikki, you, you all didn't see Nikki look at me when she, she had never seen that video. She looked at me like, really, Daryl? Really? Um, at this time, I want to ask our panelists to come on up so we can have a, a nice discussion. Before we get started, I know you all probably know most of these people on the, on the panel, but who do we have up here today? Hi guys, I'm Bridget. Nikki. Lynn. Daryl. Carl. So first question um, for you guys, can you guys uh, kind of tell me about how did you get involved working with Open Arms and when that was and what it looked like for you? Since I'm holding the mic first and people are looking my way, I'll start. Um, so I've been at Newcom for 14 years, and when I started coming to Newcom, uh, the Warming Center was really a major heartbeat of Newcom. If you were at all involved at Newcom, you were involved at the Warming Center. Um, we first, we, we as in my small group, I think, first got connected to 
the Warming Center through the Friday Night Outreach that Daryl mentioned earlier. Um, I went once or twice my first year here and my second year here. Uh, Pradeep Nair and I co-led a small group and as leaders of a small group you got an email that just said, hey, these are the nights of Friday Night Outreach, sign your group up. There was no question about were you going to be there? Was there a night that you were going to go? It was do it and do it quick or you were going to get one close to a holiday when everybody was out of town. So we rapidly signed up, um, went out you know, on our assigned Friday night. Uh, Laura Nair, I believe at the time, was leading it and making eyes at Pradeep Nair. Um, it was a very exciting evening, um, but that was kind of my, my gateway into the warming center. Um, I started working with the food pantry. I started volunteering at the food pantry, and um, I saw a really deep need. I worked underneath my dad. I volunteered under my dad. And um, if you love Pinterest, you know, like you're a really good organizing person. So um, I started organizing canned goods and all the toiletries and clearing out stuff that needed to get thrown away. So that's how I started. Yeah, that's about it. I went to um, some of those Friday night uh, outreaches <clears throat> on the cold uh, evenings. Uh, I got a, a bunch of stories. If you want to hear them, let me know. I'll tell you. Um, <clears throat> a poignant one was a man who uh, had a hip surgery, and he was under the bridge, and it was about 10 degrees over in Kedzie and uh, in Belmont. And uh, he had walked away from the nursing home because he couldn't stand being confined. And he was bleeding at his hip. And they wouldn't let him back in. So I knew he was going to die. Um, <clears throat> that was kind of a slap in the face for the reality of what uh, these folk face. One day in uh, church service, uh, Pastor Michael Washington was uh, preaching in um, being led by the Spirit, and he said three things. <clears throat> he said, if there's availability, if there's opportunity, and if you hear that voice of the Holy Spirit nudging, mm -hmm. yeah, then do it. And at that time, Dave and Amy Verdon were having a, uh, just had a baby there on a maternity leave, so I thought, Okay, I could go do that. <clears throat> so I went over to Open Arms, was down over at the Episcopal Church, and my job was to fill the sugar bowls. And if you know anything about addicts, they love sugar. They have a little coffee with their sugar. Um, so that's what I did. No one spoke to me for a month. Um, then I got assigned to uh, distributing the little bits of clothing and underwear that came in. And, and then I got to begin again to meet and talk to people. That's how it started. And you, sir? Um, I've been going to Newcom for about uh, eight years, and I started getting involved once they moved to this this building. Um, I don't exactly remember who was the one who asked me to participate, but at one time they were in need of drivers. We used to uh, go down to the food depository and have to pick up our own food down there. Uh, unfortunately, now they deliver it to us, which is a, a great blessing. Uh, but we used to have to drive down and pick it up, 
uh, wait for them to wait our turn in line because there are many people down at the food depository that get uh, food for their churches and their uh, community centers. Uh, so that's where it started. Um, and then I became involved in the kitchen, doing some mostly cleanup, helped our great chef Tom Gorman put together some meals. And then eventually um, got more involved in uh, dealing out with the clothing we provide on uh, Tuesdays. And uh, hopefully we're looking forward to getting back to when we can have a couple days as opposed to just one where we are right now. But. Thank you all, thank you. So Lynn, you started uh, with a couple stories. And so I want, I want, I think we all have a million and a half of them. Um, what was, and I know you just talked about the gentleman with the hip, but what was the, I, I like to, I'm purposing this question. It's, I always look at the work we do as ugly work. It's, it's very impactful, it's very needed, but it's also ugly, right? Because when you hear, when you're reading scripture and you, you're hearing about work, it looks good and everybody's smiling and everybody's happy and they're working together, but that ain't us all the time, right? So what have been, what's one of those things that really sticks out for you um, as far as the toughness and the challenges and what you do for us here at Open Arms? I've thought about that because uh, you asked me a few days ago about it. Um, <clears throat> so my job uh, has been to procure as much clothing, socks, underwear, t-shirts, hoodies, blue jeans, pants, uh, gloves, all that. Mm -hmm hats. And so as uh, standing in line with my volunteers with Carl or Denise or when Joni Emerson was here, um, it gave us opportunity to talk and get to know folk. They'd ask for things like <clears throat> uh, backpacks. Jose Laura kept asking me for backpacks because he kept losing his, quote, losing his. He'd, he'd pass out on the train and somebody would steal it. Um, and uh, Jose was one of those men um, a number of years ago uh, who was uh, stabbed uh, the same time that Nelson was killed uh, in a fight between three of the guys. And Jose was a, a chronic uh, alcoholic. Uh, I visited him at the hospital. He had like about 80 wounds in his stomach. His guts were hanging out when ambulance came and a buddy of his um, smuggled a six-pack into the hospital. I would have beat the guy to a pulp if I had known that. But, but you know, in, in the process of that, uh, Jose got sober. He discovered that there could be money in his pocket at the end of the day. He didn't keep losing his backpack. He didn't keep wanting to steal mine. Um, but, and I would visit him in the hospital, and, uh, and then I helped him move and helped him get settled into a rehab center. So it was a really positive thing, but it was very, very difficult. Carmine was another man who lived under the bridge in Sacramento, and um, 
gave him a, a New Testament. He read it through two or three times, got hooked on the chosen. And uh, one of the most important things was to get his phone plugged in if he would ever keep a phone. Um, <clears throat> because that was really meaningful to him. One day he said to me, uh, I do that so I don't do so I don't do stupid things like get high. Uh, Carmine developed brain cancer. And I got to walk with him through that till his death. Thank you. But you know, I, I will say this to you. Um, because of that time, and I knew Carmine very well as also, but I, one of the stories, I, one of the times I remember, I was looking for him one day, when the drop in was I'm like, where the heck is Carmine? I'm looking all over, looking all over. Nobody can find him anywhere. Found that just happened to walk past and this door was cracked open. Carmine was in here praying the whole time. You know, and, and, I, and I know that faith I know how much you talked to him. I know how much that meant to you. Um, and so I just thank you for that, genuinely. Um, what about you others, other times that you feel willing to share that were tough in this work? Well, we can talk tough or we can just talk dirty, stinky, smelly. Well, there's that um, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll just, I'll share, I'll share a bit actually if I can. Yeah. Um, just a little bit about my heart. Um, I came to Chicago not interested in homeless folk. Um, I didn't have much, if any, regard for them. And so it was a little bit awkward coming to this church that was like so into it. Um, and like I said, it wasn't a question of if you were going to participate with the warming center, it was, you know, when, when you were signed up and you would be there. And we went and seeing other folks' hearts and going out with them and watching them and then being in community with guys that were receiving services through the warming center and through open arms. We had a guy in our small group, um, Kevin Brady, who to know... Um, Kevin was to love Kevin, and if Kevin knew you, he loved you. And this guy really opened my eyes a lot, taught me a lot about the Lord, um, taught me a lot about um, like how to proclaim your faith boldly. Kevin, Kevin would speak the gospel with no hesitation. Um, and I was working the very corporate job um, that I had really honed my skills to not talk about the gospel freely. Um, and so I just, I learned a lot through Kevin. I learned a lot through my experience at the Warming Center. So we'll go to like the dirty, stinky, gross part. Um, for two years, I coordinated laundry for the Warming Center. So organizing people to pick up and wash and drop off. Um, and we needed some volunteers, which meant that I did half of that laundry. Um, and didn't think through what might come home to my home with me when I'm doing laundry um, and had it spread out throughout my entire apartment in different piles and I'm trying to color coordinate and, and just, yeah, there, I learned some lessons about the laundry. Um, but it was, it was <laughs> a few po folks mentioned that I might want to go to a laundromat instead and so that was a great tip that I passed on to all of our launderers going forward. Um, but that was a really great opportunity. Um, 
What I wanted to share, I think about that transformation of heart that I had. So I told you about kind of my gateway into the warming center. Um, fast forward several years, I had to quit a very toxic job very suddenly with no game plan, which meant for 10 months, I did not have full-time employment. I had been serving the warming center from an arm's length away, doing the laundry where I don't have to actually engage with people. My small group um, started cooking dinners the Saturday after Friday night outreach so that we could invite folks in for like legit good like gourmet style food that somebody in my small group was coordinating, but I didn't serve it. I didn't want to go there and be in person. But Amy heard that I wasn't working and I couldn't dodge the bullet anymore. And so she said, hey, I hear you're available. Can you come? And so I started serving twice a week at Open Arms Cooking Meals um, with a guy whose nickname is Kuba. Pedro, um, Kuba had no interest in me at all. He was very gruff. Um, but he was in charge and I was his sidekick. Once he learned that I spoke Spanish and I know a thing or two about reggaeton, he was more interested in talking to me. Um, and we got to be really good buddies. Um, and I think even friends. And so some of the hard things that I experienced, I've experienced loss. We lost Kevin. We lost Nelson. I couldn't work for a while. Um, a friend from back home said, hey, I'm worried about you, that you're so dysfunctional just because some homeless guy died. And I think that was my heart before I came here. Um, so the fact that I was so impacted by them um, and that loss showed how the Lord had been working in my life and teaching me what it is to do life with brothers and sisters who are on and off of the street. But back to Pedrito, I would um, sing his name and chirp his name whenever I walked into the warming center, Pedrito! <laughs> Every time I saw him on the street, you know, and he's hanging like with the guys, like the street guys. And some formerly blonde chick comes walking by saying, Pedrito! <laughs> um, but we, we got to be good buds and a tough, hard time was when he ended up in Cook County Jail and um, going to visit him at the jail was brutal. And the two times that I went, I came away extremely depressed and non-functional. Um, that was hard. But Pedrito finally was able to get Social Security disability money. And I ran into him one night. He was hanging outside of the Tonys, and I needed to come and pick up some basic items. And he said, go and get your stuff. I'm buying it tonight. Mm. And I thought, Lord have mercy. No. <laughs> so he, he said, I'll be in in a minute. You go and you get your stuff. I'm paying for your stuff tonight. And I went in and I grabbed my items really quick and like ran to the cashier with my money out. And he saw me coming. He came and he slammed two $20 bills down. He said, I'm paying for your stuff tonight. And I went home that night and I thought, God, what does this mean? This homeless man just bought my groceries. That weighed heavily on me and impacted me. Thank you for that. You know, that makes me think about, um, I'll say a lot of times, and I'll be very specific, it's a holistic poverty, right? So, well, where there are certain things where Pedro, he may not have had, 
because I, I even remember one point when he was living out of his car. But there were in other ways where our brothers and sisters are so much richer and wealthier than us than we are in some spaces. And so it, it's always an interesting, you know, dichotomy to, to watch. Nikki, what was, what's your, your toughest? My toughest part was um, trying to navigate the food pantry. So I run the food pantry. And um, one of the things that was really hard for me, when my dad had gave me the um, opportunity to um, work for the food pantry, and he was like, Nikki, don't take it too seriously. Like, these people are in need. Like, you have to help. He raised me, my brother, and my sister, and I to um, always have a heart of giving and always have a heart of serving. So everything at the food pantry was like completely in disarray and I didn't know like what to do. So I would call my dad and he'll call me and he'll tell me to, um, My dad was so um, so sick, and he was um, still trying to have a heart of worship, a heart of like still sharing the gospel, still um, at the food pantry. But he passed it to me because he couldn't like do it anymore. And um, I was like, okay. Um, so I would come, I would help out, and I'm like, Daddy, like, why is this right here? Why is this there? He was like, girl, just put the canned goods on the table. And I'm like, uh, okay. And um, I couldn't navigate, like, the kitchen. I couldn't navigate, like, serving food. So I remember at a point in time, like, we had to, like, stop serving food and just to get everything back um, together. So I, um, I was so mad. I was like, Daryl, why are we stop serving food? I don't want to serve, stop serving food. I want to give food. Um, I want to give hot meals. And um, he was like, well, calm down. You'll be okay. Um, we just have to get back to, get, to doing that. And um, so I started to get organized. I started to be like, I'm like, hey, yo, like, um, we have to do this. We have to do that. And my biggest struggle was, I don't remember if you know his name, but um, he was completely always he was so drunk like he would like poop on himself and yeah. I, mm -hmm. and um i'm like oh my goodness like how am i supposed to do this they were like oh no well, he shouldn't be here he shouldn't do this and i'm like no i'm gonna make sure he has clean clothes i'm gonna make sure he has um shavers he's gonna still eat um and i will figure out a way but my biggest hurdle was the kitchen <laughs> the kitchen, the kitchen, the kitchen. And so I had a group of volunteers come and help me clean, come and help me um, navigate everything and organize everything in the kitchen. And then I was really happy. Um, but they came, so now I have three volunteers in the kitchen that runs the kitchen that loves to cook and to serve people. So I'm like, I'm glad I took like a step back and got back to the heart and the soul of everything. But um, there are three beautiful ladies. I know it's Jessica, Marilyn, and another Jessica. They cook, and everyone loves the food. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad that, I, um, that I'm still able to serve and give 
it my all because at one point in time I was like, I don't know if I'm gonna do this. And my dad was like, well, you're gonna do this. And I'm like, okay. Um, so that was a hurdle. And another hurdle was someone coming, um, I believe it was Cuba. <laughs> and he stole a big box of chicken. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, no, 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 you can't come here. So that was our rule. And um, so he left, and then he got mad at me. He was like, it's chicken. Like, I can't have chicken. I'm like, he has a big cart that he's lugging around. And I'm like, what are you doing with all this food? Because I want to give to everyone, not just you. But um, Kubo was very interesting. <laughs> he really was. Um, but oh my goodness, I'm rambling. Uh, yeah, that was a big hurdle. and. Um, yeah, my dad was like, yeah, if you're not doing it for God, then I don't know why you're there. So um, I would do it again. I would text Daryl and be in all these group chats. I got like five of them <laughs> in my phone. And, um, and they will figure out ways how to still serve the community, how to still serve people. And it's really, really important. My dad had shipped me and my sister to Italy just to serve for a whole month. And we came back, and I'm like, Daddy, this isn't right. Like, we got to give more. We got to do more. And so we'll help him at the food pantry just volunteering. And um, my sister and I would be, like, figuring it out. And he was like, okay. He will just sit there all quiet and running things on his end while we run everything in the back. And it started to go as a flow. And then... Um, yeah, that was a really big hurdle, really big hurdle, was dealing with theft of food mm -hmm. that you take so lightly and that you're not really, um, you go to the grocery store, you get your groceries, and then you're okay, it's safe in your refrigerator, your deep freezer, or whatever you have. And um, some of these people are still like fighting just to get food. And I'm like, do we come in a time where we're not like giving and we're not really helping? And he was, he reminded me like, why are we like stealing just chicken? And how are we stealing just canned goods and some of the stuff that we take so lightly mm -hmm. that they don't even have access to. So that was a really, really big hurdle for me. Thank you, Nikki. <clears throat> Nikki, how many people are coming to the pantry? Um, 150 to 200, yeah. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say that one of your biggest hurdles was getting 10 pallets of food into the building and out on the same day. I order a lot for the people. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got my own. Thanks, Nick. <laughs> Carl, what yeah. about you? Uh, well, I would just want to say, you know, how it's, it starts with wanting to serve, and then you realize that these people have so much to give to you. Mm -hmm. And you can tell by the emotion of all of us here <laughs> how these people have affected us and given us so much uh, in return for the little that we give them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely. Um, for me, it's been, it's two things. One, we go into this season, the winter season, already just with the understanding that somebody's gonna die, or somebody's are going to die. We've literally trained ourselves for it now. That, and to train yourself for something like that is, you know, and to prepare for it, it's, it's not a good thing <laughs> to have to do that. Um, 
The other situation that was toughest for me is the one that you all, that Bridget and, and Lynn named already, and that was Nelson. Nelson was my buddy, man. That was my buddy. We had a board retreat. Nelson came in, cooked for the board. Um, every, you know, even if you tried to go help him, I got it. They'll go, go do something else. Get out of my kitchen. I got it. And he would help in any way possible. And he was the sweetest guy. And just to to get that call, that phone call, and find out what happened, and then it was so violent. Um, and it was even tougher because I didn't have space to mourn myself because I had to be for everybody else. There was, there's now, this is, now you have a friction in the building because these are friends that this actually happened between, so now that's that going on, and so you're trying to manage this and, and, and trying to you know, ensure that it doesn't go further and no one else loses life. You're trying to hold the families together. The families are literally calling here to talk to me, and they're coming and sitting down with me. Uh, at the time, it, everybody was crushed, and, and the pastor at the time, it crushed him so, so much, he couldn't even help. So now I became everybody's pastor, and, it was, and I'm an empath, and I would go home every single night and cry, every night, till there were no more tears left. And that, for me, was by far the toughest time. Um, but y'all know we can't end on tough times, right? Um, I just wanted to, 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 I just wanted everybody to have a chance to share that because, like I said, the work can be very ugly. Um, and that's the part of it that's ugly. Um, but we have a lot of fun too. Um, and you see God working in all sorts of ways through this work. So can you guys share with me like some of your favorite memories of ways when you really saw God working? I think when the Ukrainians came in and could pull out your phone and put on the app for translation, mm -hmm. and we could meet their needs, and they would talk Ukrainian, and that was a very uplifting moment. Yeah. I have a long list. Um, <clears throat> one of them is because uh, I briefly sometimes i drive out of my driveway because i know i need to do some clothes shopping and i'll ask god which village discount store do i go to today <laughs> that's going to have enough of what i need or what we need and invariably i end up at that right village discount store and i can get my uh two pair of underwear for 80 cents and so on and so on uh sometimes um sometimes i don't get what I need. And they'll be in the bin, in the donation bin, two or three bags of something, and lo and behold, there it is. Um, so I've learned uh, to uh, appreciate how God works, that he doesn't do it always the way I think about it, or the way I can manage it, but he provides. Um, I um, uh, I've got, because of my, my background in, in uh, mental health counseling and addiction, I, I've talked talk with a lot of guys about their issues. And so it's been really rewarding to see people 
get into some recovery and get, uh, uh, get back on their feet. I think of Dave Howe and Mark, um, who have been um, strong in their recovery and have helped out and, have, and, and given back in so many, so many ways. Jose Laura and his buddy who snuck beer into the hospital are both sober. Um, uh, uh, Polly, who's, uh, who's Polish, he's this big, big, lovable guy, and he's gone up and down and up and down, and, and uh, last I heard, he is still on the wagon. Uh, those are really important things uh, that we can encourage them in, and uh, sometimes it's that razor blade and that bottle of shampoo and that clean pair of socks and that hoodie that just encourages them, and that's, that's wonderful. Um, I think I've learned a couple things. Uh, I've learned about gratitude. Um, I've learned about uh, I've learned about uh, a new relationship with my stuff. Mm. Um, I'm always thinking about T-shirts, and I counted how many T-shirts I had one day, and I said, "Lucy, I got 33 T-shirts. What do I need 33 T-shirts for?" She said, don't you give them away or I'll divorce you. <laughs> I thought, well, that could be easy. <laughs> uh, I, I have a few of them left. But, <laughs> but you know, uh, it, it just the whole attitude about how you get your stuff and how much you need and, and you know, all that makes uh, has changed for me. What's been most rewarding? Mm -hmm. So um, something that was really, really rewarding, and it happened like I want to say two months ago since Jessica took over the kitchen. Mm -hmm. um, so she came in. She um, she's been helping like the migrants by feeding them food because they haven't been really getting anything, and she's been sharing pictures and stuff like that. She came and she asked me. She says, "What do I do if I don't have an ID?" So I'm like. The simplest things, what are you doing if you have um, any form of documentation for anyone? So she brought um, three fellow migrants with her. Um, I hate calling them that. But um, she brought them with her. And I was like, I'm going to serve them regardless of what, whatever they have. Um, and we signed them up. She left with food. And she started to cry in the back. So in the back, we keep all of the, um, the soap, the sanitizer. Um, stuff like that. So I gave her a bunch because she said she needed it. And I was like, okay, here. And I was like, why are you crying? And then she's like, because I can't get anyone to help me serve these people. And I can't get anything. So I was like, okay. Um, the crazy part was rewarding. I was like, I was like so mad and so mad that all of these people are in tents. And in front of um, the police station, I'm like, oh my God, this is an eyesore. And I was telling my mom, my mom was like, Nikki, it's not as um, black and white as you think. And I'm like, okay. Um, so for some reason, God sent her into the food pantry. And I'm like, what's going on? And um, my mom, she came that day early. And she never picks me up early, like ever. So um, she came in. And she got a chance to speak to Jessica, because I called her over to speak with her so I can get my other work done. And my mom was in tears, and so was Jessica. So I was like, Mom, like, what's going on? She was like, Nikki, I was telling you, it's not so black and white. So um, I'm like, OK. And she did. She explained to me everything that was going on and how people are like not having that much food. And when Jessica came that day, I was like, um, 
it was as if like God sent her, cause my mom, she never comes early. And she got a chance to speak with my mom and my mom was um, so empowered like by everything what she was doing. And Jessica now volunteers pretty much every Wednesday to cook and she brings the same two ladies that she came with originally. And they cook for the homeless and they cook for the people that's like unhoused and um, all the rest of the migrants that they can. They're really good cooks, really good cooks. And um, I just found it funny that, man, God works in like all mysterious ways and you never know what's gonna be at your doorstep. And that's like, I don't know, that was um, really amazing because I never seen nothing happen like that before. And that can change my mind and my heart to want to give more and, um, Hmm. It was just so weird how my mom never is on time, <laughs> ever. And um, if you know, you know, like you get always someone that's always late in your family that's never on time. And she just came out of nowhere. And after she got done telling me that um, nothing is as black as white that you see. And then when that happened, I was like, man, God, you're funny. You got a real good sense of humor. Like, I don't know where your sense of humor comes from, but you got a really good one. And um, she was just so happy and so grateful. She opened her home to a migrant family, and they were um, an electrician and nurse and a college student when they were in Venezuela. And that was the most funniest part was when she came and she was like, I'm so blessed to have you guys, you and your sister, because you have like such a heart of gold and you don't mind helping anyone. And I'm like, no. And then she's like, can I come cook for you guys? And I'm like, sure. I'm like, what are you cooking? And she's like, I'll make anything. I promise it'll be seasoned. I promise I'll put all, <laughs> all the stuff in the food. So that was the funniest part. And that's when I thought like, this is actually working. This is actually good to actually be here, to actually have a heart to actually serve people. That's when I, it went full circle because I was just got done complaining. And then God was like, oh, here's Jessica. And then here's these two ladies that helps you. So that was the, that's how it went full circle for me. Um, so I already told you about the change of heart um, for me. That is big. Um, I think that that is testimony that I have from time with the Warming Center and time with Open Arms about what the Lord taught me and showed me. Um, I just have a lot of memories of hanging out with the guys and being able to do life and to do community. And I know in that 10-month season when I didn't have regular work and I would be out biking all over Chicago and I'd come tooling back into Logan Square at like 10 or 11 o'clock at night, I knew where to find my guys. They'd be out at the Eagle at the monument. And I'm out there hanging out with these guys at 11 o'clock at night. I am the straight-laced Christian girl who doesn't drink, doesn't smoke. What you do, you do, you don't drink, don't smoke, nothing. Um, these guys have all got their bottles in their backpacks, but we're chilling. <laughs> and, and we're having a good time. Um, I have found particular joy. I love treasure hunting. Um, I am an alley rat. I like to go through the alleys looking to see what people got rid of. And I have come across some great treasure for myself. But the other day I opened up my garage and there are boxes and boxes and boxes of 
adult diapers. And I thought, hmm. So I called up Lynn and said, we don't, we don't have any need for this. And he said, boy, do we. Um, and I was ecstatic, like brand new boxes with little signs on them that said free, please take them. And I said, okay. Um, I love it. I go home to Nebraska, well, home. I go see my stepdad in Nebraska twice a year. And I raid their poor little thrift shop in town. They sell stuff like by the bag. And so I tell them what I'm doing and I go pull like all of their men's clothing off of the racks and the shelves and I leave naked hangers all over the place. And they're two or three dollars a bag deal that they have going on. I ask if I can bring my own bags um, that are much, much larger than their grocery <laughs> bags. Um, and they're happy to let me do that. And you see me tooling back 12 hours from Nebraska with my car packed to the brim um, full of clothes that I was able to find out in Nebraska. So, um, I love those things, and those are ways that I'm able to stay connected with open arms, even though I'm working standard business hours, so I can't be there for drop-in time, I can't be there for food pantry time, but there are needs that we can fulfill um, that are fun. Um, whatever it is that the Lord has given you a joy for, if it's scoping the alleys, or if it's maybe doing some meal prep, or whatever, I think that, that there's a place that we can serve joyfully. Absolutely. My, I, have, I have a couple different uh, favorite myself. One was the first one, and Daniel, I see you back there. I don't know if you remember this, but it, we were, Daniel used to sit on the board, um, and we had uh, a board retreat, and I was doing a devotional. And to know me is to know I do nothing like the regular way like everybody else does it. I'm going to do it Daryl's way. And... Um, so for the devotional, I chose Kendrick Lamar, how much a dollar cost. So to sit in this room, and at the time, the board was uh, senior citizens, uh, primarily white, probably never heard of Kendrick Lamar in their lives. And I put on this song, and I played the explicit version. I didn't edit it, and just gave them the lyrics. And that was our devotional, because it was literally a manifestation of Matthew 25, and so having that conversation with the board was fun, to just think of things differently. Um, what was also really um, engaging, I remember, um, if any of you all remember from back then, we, we were selling hoodies and shirts as a fundraiser at one point, and we had our different shirts. And I remember I came in with the boxes and I was setting up down in the fellowship hall so we could sell shirts after service, and all of Kid City just came down the stairs. And I looked like, what are y'all doing? Say, well, Daryl, you need some help? Yeah, I'm not going to turn down any help. They came down, which I was not expecting them to do, and then what, what came down when them coming just to offer me help, they literally came and took it over, and they created the store, and every single week, they sat there, they ran that store, they took care of everybody. If they wanted to, somebody wanted to do an um, online purchase, they purchased, uh, they purchased online, and... You know, and then there were other instances of that, too, where the moms that would be in, the, in, in on the week, they would, you know, Daryl, you want us to come cook today? And they would just come cook on a random Wednesday or a Tuesday or something. But just finding different ways where open arms was connecting directly with new community was always um, fun for me. You know, it was always fulfilling. And then, of course, just the, just the day-to-day, you know, we talk about the dark stuff, but when I tell you, uh, yes, there were days I went home and cried, but every day I laughed. Every day I laughed. Every day I learn something new. Um, not just about other people, but about myself. You know, they taught me a lot about 
myself, and they still continue to. Um, and so they are family. And so anytime I get a bigger family, it's always good for me, and I think that's what's ultimately been most rewarding. Um, I, want to, I know we have, for the sake of time, and we'll take up much time, I want to get one more question from you two, uh, more very specific questions for you all, and then Jay Moline is going to come up and make and ask for us. From the clothing side, everything that you do, what are your needs right now? I used to have uh, about 100, 100 bins full given uh, post uh, pre-COVID. Most of my bins are empty. <clears throat> so uh, just think about what you, uh, if you lived uh, under the bridge, uh, what, would, what would sustain you? Uh, I buy 144 pair of socks every month. Underwear, t-shirts, hoodies. I wish I could find enough blue jeans, size 30, 30 to 42. Mm -hmm. um, uh, of course, it's now winter, so we're talking gloves, hats. Um, sleeping bags. Sleeping bags, backpacks, belts. Long johns. <clears throat> Long johns. Men's. <clears throat> men's, yeah, most, yeah, mostly men's. Those spaghetti strap cocktail dresses don't go real far. <clears throat> we appreciate them. Unique thrift store takes them. Uh, we just can't use them. Uh, so it's all the, those kinds of things. Uh, uh, shampoo. You know, you know those little travel things that you, you know, you've, you're collecting and you're trying to figure out what to do with. You know, shampoo, lotion, yeah, all that. Uh, caps, baseball caps, water bottles. Pardon? Feminine products. We do have a number of women coming here now. For a while, there weren't a lot of women coming uh, because they got uh, Section 8 housing. But uh, recently, we've had more women coming in, so, uh, yeah. They, uh, they, you know, the men's briefs don't fit real well. So uh, my sister uh, just uh, gave me a bag full of uh, new uh, undies for the women. So it's great. And what about the pantry, Nikki? What's your biggest need right now? Biggest need is time. So time to spare, time to volunteer is a need. And like Lynn uttered, I do order a lot of food because my finger never stops pressing the button. So that usually be like 10 to 12 pallets. So um, biggest thing is time. And what times do, would you, do you need um, The time that we need help usually is from um, what, 10 to 1, and then unloading the truck and then putting the truck there just to put um, assortment of groceries for people because we do prepack um, a lot of the needs that, they, that they'll need. So, um, yeah, just time, time. What about during pantry? Um, do, you need, do you need help later on, volunteers? Yeah, we do need volunteers. So, um, Volunteering can be from three to six, um, or like 10 to one. So if you want to be an angel and come from 10 to six, it would be nice too. So um, yeah, that's it. just time, time, volunteering. All right, thank you. What days? Uh, Wednesdays. 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 Right now. Yeah. 
Great. Well, um, first off, can we give everybody a hand? Thank you all for all the ways that you support Open Arms, but more importantly, how you have answered how Christ is nudging you to serve our brothers and sisters in need. And it's not just from today, it's the history of Open Arms and just how Christ continues to work and how he's called us to be the hands and feet um, for, for our brothers and sisters in need. And I know for our church family, those who are facing food and housing insecurity is, is a soft spot for us. Community engagement has been doing a lot for feeding migrant families and doing the clothing, uh, the coat drive. And we also have open arms that is serving um, those who are in desperate need in our own community here. But also, Nikki, how many of that 150 to 200 people a week are migrant families? No way to tell. Well, just a ballpark. Um, I want to say like at least 75 to 80. Okay, so 75 to 80 migrant families are also being served every week here. So if you want, to, if, if, as Daryl mentioned, if the Lord is nudging you to continue to give of your, your time or your talents to open arms, there's a lot of great ways that we can do that. And if you're being nudged to serve with community engagement, please continue to do that as well. It's great that we have so many ways that we can serve our community, uh, both within our family and our doors here and also uh, outside of the doors, but they get to come to our building, which is such a unique opportunity. Um, so first and foremost, if you go to openarmsministry.org, you can donate because there's always gonna be a need for funds to fund the work that they're doing. Um, and then two, there's also a place where you can place that you wanna volunteer. So we have Wednesday mornings from 10 to one. We also have Wednesday evenings for the food pantry. Um, there's also the opportunity if you have, you know, want to donate clothing, the drop-off is actually at the end of the stairs going into the fellowship hall before you go up to Kid City. There's a, there's a sign, please drop anything off there. And then if you can give of your time, please do. Um, but it is a great way that we can continue to support. We've heard so many wonderful anecdotes this morning of impact, but the thread for all of this is how Christ is working among our community, both in us and in our brothers and sisters in needs and how we come together. Like, it's been beautiful stories and thank you for sharing because I know that that's not always easy to share. Um, so yeah, there's lots of great opportunity ahead. So please join us in supporting Open Arms. Please join us as we continue to be our church family in an extended fashion. And I just want to take a moment to pray if that's okay. Yes. Okay. Lord, um, you know, every name and every story of those who walk in the doors on Wednesdays, whether to the drop-in center or to the food pantry. And you've known every person who has walked those, um, through those doors from when this was St. Luke's to, to this past week. Lord, please continue to bring our extended family through our doors that we may continue to serve them. Please continue to help us be your hands and feet and that you may teach us through one another how you love each of us so deeply, um, that you are, that this is an extension of the gospel. May we see that, may we learn to love you more as we listen to you. Pray for as the weather gets cold, that you would protect our brothers and sisters in needs, whether they are recently from another country um, or have called 
you know, the spots that we wouldn't consider their homes for many years. Um, Lord, we thank you that you know them and you love them dearly. May they continue to feel your presence and may you continue to guide us for how we can serve them. We love you, Lord. We pray this all in your name. Amen.